What's happening, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars in 10. So how's everyone doing this very special Wednesday? What makes it so special, you ask? Today is not just any old Wednesday. It is my second favorite day of the year. Tomorrow is my first, you know it's all about the Sith. But today is May the 4th, the unofficial Star Wars holiday. A day that millions of fans celebrate our love for lightsabers, Mandalorians, and of course, the Force. Fans from around the world get rid of their petty differences and rejoice in all things Star Wars. Some people call into work and spend the entire day watching all the films. Others might spend the day watching Rebels or The Clone Wars. For some, it might be The Mandalorian. Some even fly clear across the world to spend it at Galaxy's Edge. No matter what you do for Star Wars Day, know that this great franchise is here because of fans like you. And if you have any time left over today, come and celebrate it with us on YouTube. Lightsaber Radio goes live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to be discussing the history of May the 4th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, enough of all that. We got a story to get to. Because when we left off yesterday, the Hunters asked Bane to train her in the ways of the dark side. Then they flew away in her ship. So let's see what's going to happen next. And how do we do that? By dropping the intro. <laughs> Zana was retracing her steps, following the long route back through the dungeon and up to the small hangar where she hoped Set and her shuttle would still be waiting for her. Her entire body was infused with the force, her legs propelling her along so fast, the wind caused her hair to stream out behind her. As she ran, she could feel the tremors rising up from deep within the dungeon, each blast a little nearer than the one before it. The explosion Bane had caused had been a single charge set off by his crackling bolt of lightning. These explosions were far more powerful, eight or 10 charges in close proximity, all detonating at the same time. Collapsing not a small stretch of corridor, but rather an entire section of the facility. By the time she crossed from the lit halls of the reopened areas of the dungeon into the darkened passages of the unused wing where she had first come in, the explosions were close enough for her to hear them as well as feel the vibrations through the floor. They were coming more frequently now too. Instead of every 10 seconds, they pounded out in a steady rhythm. She plunged into the blackness not even bothering with the glow stick. Her breath was ragged and irregular, but her stride never faltered. Every muscle and nerve in her body was tingling with the power of the force. Her senses heightened to supernatural levels. She didn't need to see to find her way. Like a bat, she could hear the alarms echoing off the walls, floor, and ceiling, painting a sonar image of her surroundings. The rumbling boom, boom, boom of the charges rang out in counterpoint to the wail of the alarms. When she burst into the hangar, where her shuttle waited, she was surprised by two things. The first was how bright the lights from her shuttle seemed after the total darkness of the subterranean passages she had been racing through. The second was that said hearth was missing. She'd always suspected he might cut and run, but she couldn't think of a reason Set would disappear, but still leave her shuttle behind. She didn't have time to worry about it now, however. She heard the roar of another explosion. This one so close, it actually made the walls of the hangar shake. Jumping into the shuttle, she fired it up as another detonation caused the entire vessel to rock back and forth on its struts. Fighting not to be thrown from the pilot's chair, Xana pulled back on the stick and the ship rose up off the ground. 
banking sharply, she turned it toward the entrance and jammed her fist down on the thrusters. The victory sprang forward, hurtling through the cavern's mouth as the final explosion set off the charges built into the hangar walls, collapsing the entire structure behind her. Safely away, Xana punched in a trajectory and activated the autopilot, letting the ship skim across Doan's surface as she tried to catch her breath. The mad dash to freedom had left her both mentally and physically exhausted. Her body was covered in sweat, and the muscles of her thighs and calves were quivering as she slumped in her seat, threatening to cramp up at any second. She had survived, but she could hardly call the mission a success. She had let Bane slip through her fingers, and she had no doubt her master had found a way to escape the stone prison's destruction, just as she had. On top of that, she had lost her apprentice. She didn't know if Set had escaped, or if he had perished in the blast, and she had no easy way to find out. The connection she had forged with Bane over 20 years was strong enough to stretch across the breadth of the galaxy. She would feel his death no matter where or when it happened. Set had only been her apprentice for a few days. She would sense him if he was in close proximity, as she would any individual who possessed a powerful affinity for the Force. But there was no special bond between them. But Set was the least of her problems. Bane was still out there, and as soon as he found another lightsaber, he'd come looking for her. Unless she found him first. The problem was, Xana had no idea where to begin her search. The stone prison's escape shuttle was small in size and lacked the luxuries of the princess's personal ship. But it had been fitted with a Class V hyperdrive and was well provisioned for interstellar travel. Theoretically, if there was ever a need to activate the dungeon's self-destruct sequence, there was also a strong possibility that key members of the royal family or their staff might be forced to flee down. In Sarah's case, this was actually true. She could only imagine the political fallout she had caused. The king's father had decommissioned the stone prison. Officially, it was still inactive. Its destruction would lead to a host of questions as to what exactly was going on in the complex beneath the royal family's estate. Any investigations would turn up nothing, of course. The demolition charges had been carefully engineered to inflict maximum structural damage. Any proposed recovery operation would prove too expensive and impractical. Whatever secrets the stone prison held would be buried forever. That wouldn't stop the rumors and speculation, though. The miners already mistrusted the nobility. Discovering the infamous dungeons had been reopened, even temporarily, would stir up bad blood and reopen old wounds. Sympathy and recruitment for the rebels would increase. Her own disappearance would add to the confusion, but in the long run, it would be better if she just disappeared. She had sworn loyalty to House Doan, and she had betrayed them, bringing trouble and misfortune down on Garen's kin. If the king and everyone else believed she was dead, sealed away forever beneath 10,000 tons of rock, it would be easier for them to clean up the mess she had left behind. Unable to return to her home on Doan, she had charted a course for the only other place in the galaxy she had ever known happiness. However, as she brought the shuttle in to land on the edge of her father's camp on Ambria, it wasn't joy she was feeling. In the space of only a few short months, it seemed as if she had lost everything. Alone, confused, and racked by guilt, she had come here in the hope of finding peace for herself and for her friend. It was early evening. 
The last light of day was just fading over the horizon as she unloaded Lucia's body. Laying her friend gently on the ground, she returned to the shuttle and found a small shovel tucked away in the supplies at the back. The sandy ground was soft, making her chore far easier than it would have been on most other worlds. Even so, it took her more than an hour of steady digging before the grave was complete. As best she could, she lowered Lucia's body into the hole she had dug, then picked up the shovel and buried her friend. Okay, this part starts off with Xana trying to save herself. She was running through the corridors of the prison, trying to get back to her ship. The explosions were happening faster and faster. She didn't even use a glow stick to light her way, allowing the force to guide her to her destination. When she got back to her ship, she realized the set was gone. This was something that she thought might happen, but she couldn't figure out why he didn't take her ship. There wasn't enough time to look for him, so she jumped in the ship and flew away. Then the story jumps to Sarah and her realization that her life on Dawn was over. She had lost everything in a matter of months. There would be no evidence of what had happened in the prison. Everyone would believe she died. So she traveled to the only place that she knew to go, back to Ambria and her father's old hut. This is when she buried Lochia's body, and that's where this part comes to an end. I kind of liked it. Even though there wasn't any fighting, there was some excitement and something that pulled on the heartstrings. But to find out what happens next, you'll have to tune in tomorrow. So happy Star Wars Day, and may the 4th be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Intent. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Keen Eye Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.